Welcome to Unbooking the Tankatari, the bonus series from Unbooking the Territory, where we look at the ups and downs of the in-ring career of legitimately the hardest man that ever lived, one David Tank Abbott. This week, Tank Abbott and Three Count face the misfits in action. I'm going to give you the chance of a lifetime there, Doug Dillinger. I'll let you come out here and take a shot on me. Wait till he finds out what's behind door number one. Something down the road at the Silverdome in six playing to an empty house. Because the real deal is here. Oh, here he comes. Get that fat duck ass out here. I'll tell you something, Mike. He's not done yet. This man, Tank Abbott, is making a name for himself. So how are you this week, Dan? I'm not doing too bad, mate. Not doing too bad at time of recording. We've uh, we've had a big old road trip down to Suffolk. You did the the vast majority of the driving, and we uh, we got to see uh, we got to see the the Willis Lewis wedding reception, which was a good time had by all. And it oh mate, it feels like so long since I've spoken to you. Yeah, no, it was brilliant, wasn't it? It was really um, kind of them to invite us and. It was just unfortunate we were about two and a half hours late because I, I done fucked up with the taxis. <laughs> well, no, it wasn't. It wasn't your fault necessarily. It was, uh, it was Uber being shit and, uh, and pretty much every other taxi company suffered being shit. <laughs> we made it, and that's the important thing. Um, and I imagine you're on a, on a double eye today after the uh, after the Huddersfield Town result. Oh yeah, I mean, we war knocked Millwall, and no one expected us to do that. And then we war knocked Middlesbrough, and no one expected us to do that. And we war knocked Watford, and no one expected us to do that. I mean, apparently the Middlesbrough betting was the largest home odds against a near war knock win his entire career. Bloody hell! Yeah, so it just goes. That's to- mad. Just goes to show what, what the wizardry of Warnock has uh, achieved. <laughs> well, I'm happy for you, pal. It's good to see you. Uh, town are out of the relegation zone now, aren't they? Uh, they are indeed, thanks to Crystal Palace. Uh, sorry, QPR falling apart. They're all the same, these London clubs, aren't they? Yeah, it's all it's all down south, and they've both got Palace in the name, so no, no they don't want to Park Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like Queen Palace, you know, it's, it's all the same. As we have said before, any London club, we're just going to assign to Millwall, Chris. Yeah, yeah, QPR, Chris, down there. Yeah, QPR, Chris, one. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's already taken QPR, Chris. Oh, dear, mate. Well, I can see you're taking a slip or something there, mate. What was, uh, what was that going down your gullet? Yeah, so I am starting off with Heya Chavo, which is a Mexican hot chili imperial stout. It's 13.3%, not a big pattern, it's 11.3%, I'm jumping the gun there, uh, and it's from Tartarus Beers in Colab with Fix Sauce, and actually, in the fridge, they've got a Fix Sauce that you can uh, put on your food as well that I've got to uh, try later. Uh, so if you want to either have any condiments, because they do the hot sauce and the Fix Sauce, as well as the beers... You can log on to tartarusbeers.co.uk and put in the promo code UTTPODCAST15 and get 15% off. You can indeed. I have got a couple of those quite chivo in the, uh, in the in the fridge cooling and I've got a bottle of the sauce ready to try. But yeah. I couldn't have any tonight because it was my yearly, yearly fish and chips with it being Good Friday. <laughs> Once a year because you got so angry last year you didn't dare do it again until this year. Um, <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> but the next two... I was in 
can do in Bingley the other day, and there, there were a couple that um, screamed out to me a connection with the, the show that we're reviewing tonight. So first from Bullhouse Bruco, I've got Frank the Tank. Hey! <laughs> which is a five it's actually got It's actually got a brewing tank on the bottle as well, on the can. Yeah, which is the 5% Hazy IPA. And then because of Siren's relationship with uh, Billy Kidman and Reno, I've got any time, any place, anywhere from Siren Beers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear me. Fair enough. I've, uh, I've, I've not put that much thought into mine, uh, but I'm sticking with the Tartarus theme. I'm, uh, I've got a train to catch tomorrow as I'm off up to work uh, to Newcastle for the next uh, for the next North show, uh, hanging out with uh, with Lauren and Andy, who have been previous guests on Booking the Territory. So I'm just on, uh, on Snorfus at the minute, which is a gluten-free American pale ale at 4.9%, yeah, and mighty fine it is too. And then after that, I've got a voodoo, hoodoo, you do. Peach Sour, which is from Pomona, Ireland. And I believe this is one that you got me for my birthday. It is indeed, yes. Um, uh, it very much uh, reminded me. I don't know, years ago, the theme to the Rugby League on Sky, uh, and it was sung by a band called the, um, I think it was the um, Hoodoo Gurus. So I saw that and All that right. me. <laughs> I thought it was a um, like a link to, uh, what was it, to... Uh, League of Gentlemen with um, with that band that that bloke was in. All oh, right. <laughs> no, I, I very nearly recommended um, the Rugby League theme for because uh, on Bam Bam podcast Andy's asking for favourite theme, TV theme tunes, but I thought I'm the only person that'll remember this. <laughs> I'd, pro- I'd probably remember it if I heard it. Whereas I'm just thinking about Mark Gatiss in Creme Brulee <laughs> <laughs> with the place for Eurovision. No, not in his many Doctor Who uh, appearances. No, no, apart from that one where he became a giant scorpion man. Lazarus' project or whatever it was. Yeah. Well, he was in the one with Peter Capaldi and the first Doctor, wasn't he? He was, yeah. He played having a much more dramatic performance than uh, the bad CGI in a scorpion. (laughs) (laughs) was a wrestling tie-in there with The Rock. WCW time with Sting. Exactly, yes. Uh, so have you got anything else there uh, on the go? Or? Uh, not for now, no. I might I might sneak off at some point, but like I say, I've got a, got a train to uh, to get in the morning, so I'm trying to be relatively sensible. But now I've seen you on the Imperials, I'm thinking hmm, one of the big boys might not hurt. Well, this is it. I'm, I'm a bad influence down that. <laughs> what can I say? I'm just still annoyed we couldn't get to Adnams when we were down south. <laughs> Well, we just we just had enough of the uh, traffic problems. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I need to get some breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> How desperate we are we to not be in a car? I was ready to drink ghost ship. <laughs> <laughs> so something that um, you don't have to be desperate for is the eighth of August two thousand episode of WCW Thunder that we're covering today. Yeah, it weren't a bad one, were it? No, I don't, I don't think it was. We had Stevie Ray, Mike Tanay and Tony Schiavone on commentary. A little disappointed there were no highlights at the start of the show. Yeah, because um, I'll be honest, I've, I've been listening to Tank Talks with, uh, with Chris Bellis and, uh, and Scottish Danny, so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm up to date, but I wouldn't mind the visual element to it. But there we go, it was, uh, it was something, uh, something a bit different. 
Yeah, I'm, I must admit, I, I have watched all the episodes uh, in between the last episode we covered and this one, but I watched them straight after we recorded the last episode we covered, so that's a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> it's about six months. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Chronic come down to the ring, they're the current tag team champions, and we get a highlight package from Nitro of Jindrak and O'Hare helping the perfect event when they attacked Chronic. Chronic go for the cheap Mick Foley hometown pop, which I've not seen them do before. No, it was, uh, yeah, again, it was a bit of a different one. Everybody in Colorado's down with the chronic, and, and that's very true today, actually, so quite prescient. Um, I think Colorado was one of the first states to uh, legalise marijuana. Yeah. Um, it, it was a sort of generic, come out here and kick your, come out here and we'll kick your ass promo, wasn't it? Until the big twist, where chronic wanted to, were wanting to go for on to. Yes, and whoever gets the pin, their team would be champions if, if it's going to change hands. Stevie Ray has no clue what the rules are in the match. It, it's not a difficult concept, though, is it, really? It's, uh, it's Stevie, Ray, Stevie Ray's making himself a bit of a fool. <laughs> Bless Stevie was, Ray. Yeah, I think, well, to be fair, I think it was maybe for the benefit of anybody just tuning in, you know, from giving him the benefit of the doubt. Could be thinking, you know, just explain the rules to me again. I don't quite get it. You know, if someone's a few minutes late coming in and they're seeing what's why is it four on two and what's going on. Yeah, that's, that's very, kind of a very good point. Maybe he's uh, coaching Shivani in today. <laughs> Commentary veteran Stevie Ray. Yeah. Oh well, you, you don't need to be an expert to be a coach. That's the uh, that's the thing. Yeah, true. Yeah, so Jindrak and O'Hare start the match and not tagging in the perfect event until Brian Clark goes for the hot tag and Jindrak eventually agrees to tag out. But it's uh, it's all a bit tetchy between them. As it would be. I've just got a few things in this match. The, the military press into the gut buster by Brian Adams was impressive as hell. Um, but you almost forget, I almost forget every time I see him just how athletic Jindrak and O'Hare were. They're just ridiculous the way the jumps like flew around and like just standing leaps to the top rope and all stuff like that. Yeah, they, they were certainly very impressive. I mean, we've not seen too much of them personality-wise so far in WCW, but we've certainly seen a lot of big men doing stuff that big men shouldn't be able to do. Yeah, exactly. And it, it made um, it made Stasiak look sort of particularly almost out of his depth because... All I remember from Stasiak was he hit the most bloody awkward-looking neckbreaker on Brian Adams. Yeah, yeah, that wasn't good. Yeah, I d- there was a Jindrak spot where he had a um, pretty awful top-rope Frankensteiner, um, so it's not extent, yeah. but... No, but there was still just, as a, as a unit, I think everybody sort of out, everybody wanted the heel sort of out Sean Stasiak. And then Brian Clark gets the meltdown, and it's a pump handle slam, basically, so it immediately gets the thumbs up from me. But did you notice just how long it, Palumbo was just lurking around the outside? Oh, yeah, it, it was like a, a modern triple threat match, wasn't it? Yeah, it was just like, uh, oh, shit, I've got it too soon. Um, um, uh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> it was a good, it felt like a good 20 seconds. Yeah, I guess that's the problem that a lot of the, well, you know, Perfect Event and Jindrak and O'Hare are both quite green, so they're effectively learning on TV. Yeah, it was just, you know, it's one of those little, th- I say little things, one of those things that was noticeable, but ultimately I didn't give it a toss because I've just seen, I've seen the meltdown and, you know, and we've got the pinfall and it was, the whole sort of dissension between the teams was quite a fun little move and 
But even then, just sort of tagging together, we sort of we know that this is sort of building to something with the with the little faction coming up. Yeah, so Chronic get the win, and then um, the great Mooter and Vampiro are walking slowly down the aisle, and, and they looked cool as fuck, really, didn't they? Yeah, yeah they do it together. How can you not look cool as fuck with them two, especially in Team Thousand? And, you know, it's a good standoff between them and Chronic, and, and fucking Hooven too running in and nicking the belts. <laughs> Yeah, that, that was brilliant, that. And he, he just ran straight past Palumbo, who did nothing to stop them, despite them shouting at Palumbo to stop them. And it, it reminded me, I was once in one of those local Sainsbury's uh, around Leeds, and um, someone was stealing some Kit Kats, and like they were running out with them past me, and the security guards like shouting at me to stop them. <laughs> and it's like, no. Why, why would I try and stop someone? If anything, I want them to give me a Kit Kat. Yeah. <laughs> I've, got, I've got no vested interest in Sainsbury's not being uh, robbed, you know. It's hard. It's hard for the Peter Parker stop that robber moment, is it? Over a ten, over a ten is worth of Kit Kats. <laughs> Probably not even that, you know. And it, it's you've got to pick your fights, don't you? Yeah. Um, no, I'm not getting involved for the sake of a few Kit Kats in a convenience store. No. So we go over to commentary, uh, as we say, the Stevie Ray McTenay and Tony Schiavone there. And Tony Schiavone says um, that the cat's given Booker T the night off, but asked Stevie Ray how he's doing. So we're going to get all the insight from his brother here. Yeah, we got a hype package, essentially, from Stevie, which I thought he did quite quite well at. And just as a whole, this little section was quite good for, you know, hyping New Blood Rising and, and Booker's title defence. Yeah. Yeah, so we've definitely got an advantage of having Stevie Ray on commentary for that. Uh, next one in the cat's office, it's the cat and Mike Awesome and Mike Awesome's girlfriend, Heidi. And we can see, peeking through the curtains, the young dragons are there too. That tickled me. That <laughs> proper tickled me. It made up, it made up for, for them booking a fucking flag match. Oh, it was so annoying, this bit, when the cat bumps into Heidi and claims not to have seen her. Mm. Uh, uh, and they're going to book. They're going to book a flag match, but uh, this isn't for the title because the uh, Mike Awesome's going to get his title match at New Blood Rising. So Mike Awesome says he's going to take um, Landstorm's Canadian flag and break it over his damn neck, but not break his neck because that would be against standards of practice. Yep. But the whole, um, the whole bit of this was saved with the Young Dragons. Yeah, the Young Dragons gong hits. And uh, the cat's like, how do they get? Uh, how the hell do they get the music in here? Yeah, that was a nice, that was a really good little fourth wall break. And just, I, I just love it where he's like, he's just clearly not in the mood. He's like, not now. Yeah, no. Stop. I, I, you, you get the uh, you get the sort of like three stooges, like yeah. slapstick comedy of giving them a knocking their heads together and giving them a triple slap. I love that triple slap. <laughs> 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 Oh, that was brilliant. Um, yeah. Next up, uh, backstage, Daphne has made a new T-shirt. WCW stands for Watch Crowbar Wrestle. Um, to this day, it rings true. Everybody should watch Crowbar Wrestle. But Crowbar yet again fails to tell Daphne how he feels about her. Oh, dear, Crowbar. Get your act together, son. Not that I can yeah. talk. Yeah. In the next scene, we see Jeff Jarrett with his guitar mumbling something about Booker T. Yeah, they ignore that. So the next match is Crowbar with Daphne versus Primetime Elix Skipper. Yeah, he's got another name change. 
Yeah, yeah, he's, uh, he's not skip over or whatever he was before. <laughs> skip over. Who uh, thought that was a good idea? That's what I do with Austin Fury and Matt Riddle. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> so Eli Skipper's saying that this is my house. Uh, put your seatbelts on and I'm going to give you a taste of prime time. So he's mixed all his metaphors there. That did not sound pleasant, to be honest. So Eli Skipper's house has seatbelts. More getting, more getting strapped down and giving a taste of his prime time. <laughs> At least a cruiserweight, so he probably lives in his car. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear! And after this past WrestleMania in Prime and wrestling, just now I'm all right. <laughs> so as the match is going on, Mi Smooth brings some flowers to Daphne and whispers something in her ear. And Daphne shouts, "I've got a secret admirer." Not subtle, is she? <laughs> no, well, subtlety and Daphne have never been <laughs> no good bedfellows. <laughs> no. Yeah, and uh, oh, the, the lads doing tank talks. Chris and Danny blew my mind saying that M.I. Smooth is uh, his ice train. I'd, I'd not twigged. I told you that. <laughs> it, yeah, but how, how much do we drink? Yeah, that was, that was drunk, Dan, that I told him, not in all fairness. <laughs> he never leaves me any messages. Yeah. <laughs> and cliff notes. It's just for, <laughs> it, just, it just hits you on the head with a lump hammer and throws up in your shoes. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. So Crowbar goes out to find out what's uh, going on with the flowers. Elix Skipper does a, uh, a torpe out over onto Crowbar. And Daphne twats him with the flowers. Oh, that was brilliant, that flower shot, wasn't it? It was so good. Um, oh, just before this as well, just to roll back, Elix Skipper doing the Matrix escape out of the, away from the springboard moonsault. Brilliant. Yeah, that was good. There was some good stuff from Elix Skipper in this match. There were quite a few sort of slips and near botches and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. There was a victory roll at one point that it, it wasn't slick, but it made it look more realistic. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe that's what he's doing. Maybe it's I mean, going for all these high-risk moves. I mean, we've only just this week had Sabu claim that he planned all his botches. Oh, yeah, I've not seen that. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny you mention it, because I remember now, um, back when Justin Sizem used to wrestle, I was watching, I've shown Matty one of his matches, I think one with one he had with Keith Lee up in 3CW, which was absolutely brilliant, you know, two direct, two big lads that can move like they can. But one sort of comment Matty had on it was that Sizem, although he hit everything sort of safely, it was never like pristine form and never like what you'd, what, what I've heard people call like really clean. Yeah. But that just made it look more realistic. So he was, he wasn't pristine but he was still safe. Also, as safe as you can get doing that sort of thing. Yeah, and I guess that's maybe some some of the magic, if you can make it look a bit woolly, but it's actually what you intend to do. Yeah, because, you know, obviously I find the, the sort of the more, more flippy style of wrestling more, a bit more difficult to be sucked in by, you know, to, to suspend my disbelief. But with when it's when it's like that, as, as rare as that is, that's when it draws me in even further. Yeah, that's a good point. Crowbar goes um, for the top rope of Frankensteiner, but uh, Elix Skipper pushes him off. There's a little bit of a sort of botched sunset flip, um, and then he's into the uh, skip over overdrive and gets the three count. Yeah, it was, I thought this was a nice little ending sequence. Skipper blocking the Frankenstein, and I thought Crowbar had actually blocked the diving sense on off, off that. And yeah, a nice little TV match and, and good progression for 
a nice little sort of left turn in the Crowbar Daphne story. Yeah. Yeah, you sort of, you've got the up and comer, but you've also got a bit of intrigue, what's going on there. And obviously, if his mind's not in the game, that explains why he's lost to the rookie. Yeah, exactly. And it's a good boost for Skipper. I don't think anybody anybody comes out of this with a negative, really. Yeah. Jimmy Hart tells um, Jarrett uh, the Booker's uh, not going to be here, so he's going to have to wait four days till New Bud Rising. And uh, Jarrett guitar shots him. And in my notes, I put that guitar shop was for Retalicious. Jeff Jarrett saw it, got in a time machine. <laughs> Jimmy, no bonk. Yeah, Jimmy Rich uh, used, the, used the last dregs of his money after uh, Jimmy Hart had bled him dry. Yeah. <laughs> to send Jeff Jarrett to do that. But it was like Terminator, they could only go one way and he turned up naked. Oh, I've watched the whole series of Wrestlicious now and the parade of people Jimmy Hart brings in for a payday. Oh, you were telling me. My God, well, you told me one and I was just like, what, are they, what is he doing? Yeah, but we'll, we'll cover that on the Wrestlicious episode that we cover on, uh, on Booking the Territory, so watch out for that in the past, future, whenever. Watch out for it at some point in time. Yeah. And if you miss it, jump in uh, Jeff Jarrett's time machine. <laughs> Jerry Richie's time machine. Yeah. Uh, so then we see Mean Gene with Buff Bagwell. Mean Gene saying at New Blood Rising, it's Canyon versus a Buff with the Judy Bagwell on a pole. That doesn't turn out to be a pole, is actually a forklift. Well, Mean Gene didn't know that at this time. He didn't have a time machine, so he didn't know because uh, Jarrett was using it. Buff Bagwell says, it's not champagne, it's not positively, it's not uh, DDP, it's plain old Chris Canyon. No, it's positively Canyon. It is positively Canyon. The best form of Canyon. <laughs> it's like the Pokemon evolution. Who, who better than Canyon? Positively Canyon. Canyon yeah. Who better than positively Canyon? Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. Who better than DDP? Positively Canyon. Yeah. <laughs> positively Canyon's impression of DDP sounds more like DDP than DDP. If only this had been two months earlier when we had the Kimberly Affair storyline, instead of it being with Bischoff, it should have been with Positively Canyon. And she could have been like, I find a man, I found a man that's more of a man than you are. <laughs> more positive than you are. More New Jersey than you are. There's <laughs> better autobiography than you have. Oh, that's the, that's the most blessed timeline. Oh, that would have been brilliant. Although, as it was, it was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. So they play highlights from Nitro. Um, Canyon's pulling Pamela Paul Shock's hair and uh, shouting at her. And Mean Gene runs in. Mean Gene's doing his own commentary over these highlights. Yeah. <laughs> look at the speed on that young man. <laughs> the thing is, it, it, would have been, it would have been so easy for Gene to be like a complete mark for himself and, and go after it. But he managed to do it in a way that he sounded like he was taking the piss out of himself which just made it all the more endearing. Yeah. Just, just so funny when he just kicks Canyon square in the spuds. And says, I had a ball. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, so, it's such a dumb line, but coming from Mean Gene, it's so funny. Yeah, it was brilliant. Canyon comes in with his autobiography. He says he wants a tag team match with the two of them tonight against him and a mystery partner. So we've got a bit of intrigue for later in the show. Yeah, and... Gene is very eager to agree. Yeah. Mystery Partners wanted a piece of Mean Gene for a long time, so I wonder who that could be. Hulk Hogan. Yeah, well, after that training montage. Yeah. 
so next up we see Crowbar with I Am Smooth and Crowbar's asking where the flowers came from and uh, uh, Smooth saying it was just his job to deliver the flowers but Crowbar has to act really fast and um, stop worrying about the uh, guy that got all the flowers. Fair enough. Yeah. That's yeah. That that is that's what it that is what it is. There's not a lot you can say about that, is there? Yeah. No. Uh, but le- but at least they dropped it in. Yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. And it makes sense because if you just left it, which I think a lot of times they would have done in wrestling, they'd have gone, "Oh, this segment's over." But it makes perfect sense that he'd go to his first part of call to find out who it was. Yeah. Exactly. So I like it. Yeah. Uh, so we're outside the cat's office, and Moon and Vampiro beating up the young dragons. Um, the cat comes out, um, he attacks uh, Vampiro, and the cat makes the misting motion to Muta. To oh, he did, did he? Yeah. That was brilliant, and Muta covered his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I, I didn't expect to enjoy Vampiro and Muta going after the cat as much as I did, but I did. Yeah, absolutely brilliant. Uh, the cat grabs the chair and says, uh, if they want a fight, I'll get a partner and we'll have a tag team match tonight. So, there's a second mystery partner on the show. Double mystery. Well, yeah, what's better than one mystery partner? Two mystery partners. It's like seeing how many Volvos you can get in a row on the motorway. The answer's five. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we didn't check on the way down. Who knows how many we could have had. I was checking in my head down. Right, <laughs> So we get a Nash, Goldberg, and Steiner video package, and it's the the music that they're using for this video package is the music that Chris and Danny use for Tank Talks. It sounded it sounded a bit like Killing in the Name of to me. Yeah, it, it is like Killing in the Name of, but it's um, <laughs> it's the Simpsons get get me his legally distinct non-union Mexican equivalent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, I thought it was a really good video package, um, just just hyping up the match for uh, New Blood Rising. Yeah, brilliant. Obviously, you know, Goldberg and Sandra Nash are pretty much three of the biggest stars in the company at this point, if not the three biggest outside of Singing Tank Abbott. Yeah, but now we've found that the cat can mist. <laughs> <laughs> or at least pretend to. At least pretend to, yeah. I mean, if Scott Steiner starts misting, then, then everything's have to change. <laughs> See, he says Scott Steiner missing. I just imagine him like just standing there and just flexing so hard steam comes out of his paws. I, I, I was imagining him having an atomizer like the model. <laughs> Full of protein shake. Shut Disco Inferno and Jeremy Borash out of these booking meetings and get us in there. Yeah. <laughs> well, somebody get hold of him out of the. JV Richard, let us use his time machine. Yeah. Oh, let us rebook Resolicious. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I think that was a bit beyond saving. <laughs> but it isn't beyond making better. <laughs> True. Yeah. Um, so then we see Mean Gene's got a, a sweat band on and uh, is, uh, is training and uh, uh, is uh, telling Buff Bagwell that he hates Canyon, uh, but asking who Canyon's partner's going to be. and Bagwell tells him it doesn't matter, we'll kick it, kick their ass anyway. And Mean Gene says, well, it's not Pamela. Pamela, she's nuts about me. Pervy, pervy Mean Gene. Well, nuts because he uh, kicked her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bollocks, in it? Yeah, yeah. But football in the grind. Had a football in the grind. Yeah. Also, I get the feeling that the sweatband that Gene Oakland had on his head was actually made for Buff Bagwell's arm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
So we're in the cat's office. The cat's on the phone. Uh, uh, he's telling the mystery partner that he needs to come and back him up. He says, I know you don't like my shoes, and I know you like, don't like the way I dance, but I need you. Who could it be, mystery? So the cat doesn't even know at this point if he's got it nailed on. <laughs> but he will, because reasons. Yeah. So next up, it's a hardcore match. It's above average Mike Sanders. Four top 49%. Yeah, and he's it's going to be against Norman Smiley, but Max Anders comes out with a bin full of weapons, and he looks like a branch of Abercrombie and Fitch has thrown up on him. He does, but he's got the bin of gimmicks, so, you know, it's fine by me. A highlight package from the 19th of uh, July. Oh. One of the greatest uh, highlight packages in the history of Thunder. <laughs> so, so good. Every time he got screwed over. <laughs> so Sanders getting knocked out three times by Jarrett, Daphne and Canyon every time he stood up he got knocked out again just chef's kiss <laughs> yeah so it's uh, it's taken him three weeks to recover from the concussion that he'd suffered at the hands of those three well it's one week per concussion exactly yes and then Mike San, I love this promo he says most of you don't know who I am Norman Smiley doesn't know who I am I am the number one guy on the B roster. I'm top 49%, a solid C+. Plus. I'm pretty good. <laughs> a win tonight over Norman Smiley is enough to let people know I'm above average. Above average. Oh, this is the gimmick that Dolph Ziggler needs to be working. I like this, though, because it's reasonable expectations. It is, yeah. Not everybody, not everybody can be a world champion. Not everybody's destined to be world champion. But, you know, if you make the top 49%, you're doing better than most. You know you're definitely not going to get 50-50 booking with Mike Sanders. You're going to get 51 49 <laughs> He's going to win one more than he loses. Two more. <laughs> Two more, yeah. <laughs> Maths. <laughs> Need to take private lessons off Graham. Yeah, uh, Norman Smiley says, I don't know you and I don't want to know you. I'm through <laughs> our matches. But then um, Sanders hits him with a chair and the bell rings, so he's got no choice. Yeah, so much for starting hardcore matches in the back as well. Well, they, no, no, I think they do because they fight to the back and then they fight out. Okay. Let's see. So before that, it's just a solo. Basically, yeah, they, they fight to the back. Norman does a big wiggle and then runs through the curtain, but uh, Sanders has a ladder behind the curtain. That was hysterical. I love it. The only way it could have been better is if Big Vito was involved. Yeah, it would have been better with Big Vito or Terry Funk or Terry Funk's horse. Or all three. Yeah. Terry Funk and Big Vito riding Terry Funk's horse into the mix to then get involved. Which we, which we clarified the other day was Ron Wright's horse that he lost in the match. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that was even on the podcast. I think that was just in the car on the way down. I think it was, yeah. The... Uh, the yeah. <laughs> we're booking like AEW now. You've got to have uh, you got to have been in the car to know what was happening. Yeah. Oh, say what you like about AEW, and we will. <laughs> so um, just doing in jokes on a podcast now that serves no purpose. I often don't like when a wrestler gets a bin on the head because they end up doing something silly. But I liked it here because Sander puts Sanders puts a bin on Norman's head and then he's sort of beating him in the way of the backstage area with the Gendo stick. <laughs> No, it was good. It was very good. 
And we see Jarrett in the uh, in the background arguing with Ed Ferraro. He's probably uh, wanting a word with him about the women's division. I dread to think what that word was. Yeah. Sanders' uh, body drops um, Smiley through a table. And uh, then Norman Smiley puts Sanders through one. And in the background, we see Jeff Jarrett, guitar shot, and Ed Ferrara. And in my notes, that's for Oklahoma. Yeah, he deserves it. It's the one, it's the one, time, one of the rare times I'm going to praise Jeff Jarrett because absolutely fuck Ed Ferrara. Well, it's, it's twice now. There's been two justified uh, guitar shottings on this show so far. <laughs> <laughs> With that as well, though, again, it adds to that. That adds to what we've said. We, what we've always said, we like about this era of wrestling. It feels like a world that's just happening in the background. It does. What a, great, what a great touch! And has Jeff Jarrett become the the conscience and avenging angel of WCW? No, he's still a selfish prick. Well, no, because uh, then Jeff Jarrett guitar shots uh, uh, Norman, and uh, I've point my notes that was uncalled for. <laughs> just boo. But we do get to see Norman Smiley in a wheelbarrow. Oh, that was brilliant when Mike Sanders put him in the wheelbarrow. Uh, <laughs> did, you, did you see uh, Sanders put Smiley in the wheelbarrow to take Smiley back? And the commentators were calling bullshit on him, stopping to yell at Norman while he's in the wheelbarrow still. And did you clock what Stevie Ray said? What did Stevie, you just, Stevie just comes out with, well, maybe he's simple. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, brilliant. So Sanders had to get him <laughs> to get past the ramp and then put him back in the wheelbarrow. Yeah. And then he has to like run with the wheelbarrow towards the ring to get enough momentum for him to fly into the ring. <laughs> it was it was just perfect. Oh. Just absolutely perfect. Oh. Then Sanders tries to come off the second rope with a chair, but ends up knocking himself out with it. <laughs> <laughs> And Norman just falls into the pin for the three. And it's just, it's hardcore comedy at its finest. I love this. I, I, I oh, love yeah. I, I love Norman not wanting the match. I loved how the match started. I love the ladder behind the curtain. I, I, I love Jarrett guitar shot in Ed Ferrara. That was, that was one of the best bits. I, I love the wheelbarrow on the way back. And Alexander's fucking up the finish. It's just... Yeah, every, it's it's not quite Terry Funk getting kicked by a horse. But it is a top 49% match. <laughs> <laughs> it's most definitely above average. Yeah, th- this is a Dave Meltzer 2.51 star match. <laughs> <laughs> or if, you're using it, if it was in the Tokyo Dome, 3.51. Yeah, yeah. So we've seen Mike Sanders twice now, and I know Mike Sanders gets a lot of shit in WCW 2000, but he's been an absolute joy both times. Yeah, he's he's batting two for two at the minute, so I expect him to be a bit shit the next two times we've seen. Well, to balance it out, (laughs) he'll have one good, one really good moment. Yeah. So next we see Vampiro, Muta, and the Demon, and they're somewhere dark, possibly the basement. Who knows? Or Death Stream. Vampiro's um, saying that Sting made the demon a sick, twisted gargoyle, and uh, now he's coming to get Sting. And he tells Ernest Miller that he's bitten off more than he can chew. I'm a juggalo, a true assassin. So, is this all juggalos are? We'll have to ask Chris and Danny. Uh, I know they're down to clown. Well, Danny's down to clown, and he's a Canning Town stabber. 
there might be something to this. The Juggalos are just a front for a ring of high-level assassins. It's essentially John Wick with face paint. Yeah, and there's a load of unsolved crimes in Hull. <laughs> I think that's just because nobody gives a fuck. So, next up, it's the flag match. It's uh, Lance Storm, who's uh, uh, the Canadian champion, mm-hmm. the 100 kilograms and under champion, and the Saskatchewan International... Oh, the, what is it? The Saskatchewan Heavyweight International title. Uh, I thought it was uh, the Hardcore International. Well, it's shit, whatever it is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just funny because poo. Yeah, and he's got a black eye from his uh, championship match that he had with Booker T on uh, Nitro. He wasn't jumped by 10 Marines. Yeah, well, well, yeah, when he was going to be a four-time champion, but that got... Uh, maybe that's what Lance Storm's so pissed off about because they didn't push him against Booker T. <laughs> <laughs> he needed four belts to balance it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And Mike Awesome's there with Heidi. Lance Storm says, I hope you're one hell of a fat chick thriller because you're a damn poor career killer. Yeah, every time he beats Awesome, he, come, he becomes a bigger star. <laughs> yeah, it's a, uh, tonight this uh, flag match is um, non-title because I refuse to defend the Canadian Championship on US soil. Brilliant. Yeah, easy. Just such an easy move, but such a dick move as well. And it actually got me to give half a shit about the match, which is an achievement because I have never liked flag matches. They're just over-the-top, patriotic wankery. Now, I, I did like this flag. Well, I liked the ending of this flag match. The, endings, yeah, the ending was good. It served a purpose. Before we get on to that, though, one thing I didn't like is the flag seemed to be like have some masking tape at the bottom that was sticking the end of the flag to the pole so yeah. they didn't wave properly. Oh, which was, it. yeah, it really annoyed me. But yeah, it's, it's quite a short match, really. Awesome uh, clone slimes, Storm goes towards the US uh, flag, but uh, gets stopped. Um, and um, there's a frog flash from uh, Awesome to Storm. Hyde yeah. hits Awesome with the US flag. And then uh, there's a flying clothesline. Uh, I put technically from Heidi to Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, she, she delivered it. Yeah. Uh, Storm puts on the uh, single leg, and then Heidi gets the Canadian flag and gives it to Storm. Betrayal. Yeah, what's happened? Is this because on Nitro, when um, Lance, um, when Mike Awesome said he'd ordered a plate of donuts, they turned out to be beef sandwiches? <laughs> It'd be enough for me to turn on somebody, I'll put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> Although that said, would I be really that mad at beef sandwiches? I don't think I would. Oh, Heidi seemed to enjoy it. Tony Schiavone is saying Heidi's betrayed the one um, person who stood up for her. Stevie Ray is saying, I'm up to here with all these yaks coming out. Yaks. 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 It's not the first time, it's not the last time he says it in the show. So that's apparently what Stevie Ray is calling women. So 2000. Year 2000, yeah. Take the rough with the smooth. Yeah. Tony is questioning why she did that. And Heidi tears off a T-shirt. And underneath, she has a T-shirt that says, Canadian and proud of it, over the top of a maple leaf. She did it for the rock. Yeah. And Tony Schiavone, she's, she's, she's Canadian. <laughs> oh, the, yeah. The, the, the hamming it up and the overacting was brilliant. Oh, I loved it. Absolutely loved it. And Glanstorm. 
breaks the US flag over Mike Orson's back, as he uh, promised to do earlier, and hide his wave in the unfurled Canadian flag. Yeah. And that was, uh, like I said, the, the finish served a purpose. Uh, the match wasn't much to write home about. No. No, so she might have been thrilled, but she wasn't thrilled with uh, Mike Orson's xenophobia. <laughs> and why won't she be? Quite what? honestly. Exactly. Mike Orson's going to have to pay for that uh, doctor to look at his back, whereas uh, <laughs> Heidi will get it for free with the Canadian health system. <laughs> oh, God. Next up, we see Billy Kidman with Pamela Paulshock, and uh, Pamela's saying about this newcomer, Reno's wanting a piece of him, because Reno is the boyfriend of Siren, who uh, mm-hmm. Billy Kidman um, uh, spent uh, the night with after he... Uh, was forced to eat all that Viagra after the Viagra on a book match with uh, the franchise. What a ridiculous looking thing. <laughs> well, that, there you go. Wrestling. Yeah, Billy Kidman says he's not worried about Reno or Tori or the franchise. And on um, Sunday, it's all going to come to an end. I mean, Billy Kidman's looked like a bit of a dick in this whole scenario, hasn't he? He's it, been a bit of a prick. Yeah. Showed, showed that embarrassing video of Shane Douglas not being able to get it up and showed uh, <laughs> the video of when Tory was fat and <laughs> just, yeah. Just just move on, son. Just leave it. Well, yeah, but when he moves on, he's shagging Reno's girlfriend. No, move on again. <laughs> Keep moving. Keep moving. You're stuck in a twat eventually. Uh, get back in the white armor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The last time we were rooting for you was when you were against Hogan. I <laughs> said, so, um, uh, a Nitro of the franchise um, uh, wipes me out uh, with a belt. Um, how, about a, how about a New Bloods Rising? We make it a strap match. Why not? Yeah. Uh, but it won't be um, the way a uh, strap match in the way that you like it, Tori. That, that could be interpreted in many different ways. Yeah. I don't know which one he means. Oh, wow. Moving, moving swift. Keep moving. Keep, keep driving the Hummer. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need to know how many times you've been pegged. Yeah, it says that Reno has a goofy stripper name, and it um, says he, he knows what he's going to do and asks the cameraman to follow him, and goes to the Nitro Girls dressing room. It's the, the, the live kid cam. It is the live. Well, ironically, this isn't the kid cam, but no, <laughs> no that's just lurking around somewhere. Yeah, Steve Ray says this is a perfect example of a guy hurting on the inside. <laughs> and not a true word's being said. I mean, he's summed up the whole sorry story here, isn't it? That yeah. Billy Kidman's uh, inflicting his inner pain on others. He is. Yeah, Billy Kidman asks if Siren's still around. And um, uh, one of the other Nitro girls gets her for him. And then Kidman kisses Siren. And she seems to be into it. Yeah, which obviously makes a change for wrestling in this era. Yeah. So next up, uh, Tigress Jones commentary. Uh, Stevie Ray um, is again talking about all the acts around here, and Tigress rolls her eyes at him. Justified. Yeah, absolutely. But she's uh, she's not giving it away about where the filthy animals have taken the tag belts. Yeah, Tigress says, I don't know what you're talking about. And Stevie Ray takes his glasses off, <laughs> rubs his nose, and rolls his eyes. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you, Stevie does a good job. <laughs> you know, that's 
there's not many out there, not many commentators who decide to like just show full exasperation like that. It was the exact same thing Akada did when someone asked him about how he felt about being booked badly in TNA. <laughs> This again. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Mark's asking me stupid questions. <laughs> right, um, so it's an intergender tag team table match. It's mm. David Flair and Miss Hancock versus Sergeant Awol and Major Guns. Yeah, unique uh, unique concepts. I don't think I've ever seen one of these before. No. On Nitro... Um, we get highlights of um, Tigress and Miss Hancock uh, effectively waterboarding major guns in the mud bath. Yeah, I've never understood the thing with the mud. No. Never got the obsession for it, but it was massive around this time, wasn't it? I, I don't know. I mean, they didn't have the internet, so... Oh, very well, yeah, this is true. Yeah. Yeah, just always struck me as weird, even back then. Yeah, this, this passed for entertainment in 2000. Yeah. Amazing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, the wall knocks uh, flare down with every single strike. <laughs> yeah. It was a bit ultimate that they started like a proper wrestling match. We even got David Flair doing the Ric Flair top rope for a fail spot. And honest to God, it, it, it's mad. Ric Flair, uh, sorry, David Flair has never looked better than when he's impersonating his dad. It should have been um, David Flair down. <laughs> Oh God! Oh dear! But yeah, it was it was all right. It was this, and then the we, the inevitable uh, the inevitable cat fight happens. Guns and Tigress are arguing at the commentary desk, and then Hancock uh, uh, attacks Guns from behind. Uh, the wall setting up a table um, by the guardrail, uh, and then he's, he goes back into the ring. Hancock rakes the wall's eyes. Yeah, didn't you know? Didn't mind that. It was a nice little touch because it's. Oh, go on. Oh, sorry, I got that wrong. WWE Hall of Famer Miss Hancock <laughs> raked the wall's eyes. <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah, bloody hell. Then you know she gets dragged out by major guns. It's all a bit catfighty again, and David's getting all punchy, kicky with AWOL. And we see on the outside Miss Hancock reverses a whip and and puts major guns through the table for the win. Yeah. Yeah, so Miss Hancock and David Flair have won a tag team table match featuring The Wall. Which is a bit nuts when you put it like that. Yeah. But we still get the, uh, well, the crowd works in, I'm happy because this wasn't the end of the show, but we still got a cheer because A-Wall just chokeslams David through the table for shits and giggles. Yeah, he does. Um, we go straight to break and we're back and Canyon's talking through the door to a mystery partner. Suspense. <laughs> Who could it be? Who could it be? Doug Dillinger tells the cat that his partner's here. And um, <laughs> did you catch what the cat said to me? <laughs> Thank you, Almighty Doughboy. Honest to God, I'm not. <laughs> there's there's unnecessary fat jokes, and then there's really funny fat jokes, and that was one of them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just sounded so just. It was just hysterical coming out of the cat's mouth. I don't, that was a, a bit of a special delivery. And I'm not the cat's biggest fan, but he nailed that one. The cat's been on form tonight. We have to give yeah. the cat that. So now it's Reno versus Billy Kidman. There's highlights of last week on Thunder and Nitro of uh, Reno attacking Kidman on both events. 
Yeah, once again, Stevie Ray is a voice of reason, saying Billy Kidman should learn to walk away when a woman tells him she doesn't want anything to do with him anymore. Stevie bringing the logic. Yeah, and 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 Tony Schiavone is trying to say save, save the right, the uh, the angle by no 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 he might still have feelings for her. Yeah, yeah. Stevie's bringing the logic and Tony's logic has no place on this show. Yeah, and Stevie's like, specific moment. Stevie's like, how would you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's still good even when it's mildly shitting on what's happening. Yeah. So Mike Tanay and Stevie Ray are fighting out, fighting over who's found out the most information about Reno before the match. Yeah, that was a bit of a bad one, wasn't it? Reno's background is a street fighter. Fighting all over Nevada, Las Vegas and uh, Reno. Because <laughs> that's all that's in Nevada. Yeah, yeah. The rest of the punch up next to a scorpion once. Yeah. So Kidman does a top rope bulldog and gets a two count. Reno does a pump handle suplex and gets a two count. Did you see the flying, like the flying fist drop thing and the, the camera angle there? It looked brilliant. Yeah, it did. It did. But another thing that was brilliant after the pump handle slam, Stevie Ray said that Kidman's britches were falling off and simultaneously matched him on his way. Britches? He started talking like he was 80 for some reason. Yeah. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Yeah. Uh, we get a roll of the dice from Reno, uh, but Reno lifts his head after the one count and starts punching him. Siren runs down to try and stop Reno from attacking Kidman. Uh, the referee tries to uh, shoo Siren away. Reno goes for a power bomb on a chair, but Kidman reverses it into a face plant. I thought that looked brilliant, by the way. Just how smooth that was of Kidman flipping out of it and hitting the face buster. Yeah, it was. It was really good. It was really good. Tory Wilson's out. Stevie Ray once again says there's too many yaks out here. The franchise runs in and attacks Kidman, and uh, there's a disqualification, and Billy Kidman wins. Because that's what you want to do for your opponent. You want to help him win matches. Yeah. Reno and Douglas are attacking Kidman, and they're about to hit him with a chair when... The newly rebooted white meat baby face, Big Vito, in Italian colours, runs in. The true hero of the day. Oh, I think he's looking like a big deal now. I mean, we've had him yeah. tag team division, we've had him king of the hardcore division. Fresh lick of pain. Put a rocket on this guy. Absolutely. And there's obvious, it, it's straight away, you know, he's running everybody off with a stick ball back. And there's obvious beef between Vito and Reno. They did a really good job of selling history between these two. Yeah. We'll see where that goes in uh, the following weeks. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it. I'm always up for more. Uh, always up for more Vita. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's always a highlight of any show he's on, and he's looking really good now. Um, mm. So we go to a break. The artist is cosplaying as Raven. Oh, to quote our uh, to quote our good brother in Tank Talks, Chris Bellis, Taff Cappy. Yeah. And he's looking for Paisley. And he finds her with Kikwi and Papaya, who was the mystery woman that we saw on the last episode that we reviewed. Ah, yes, fair yeah. enough. Yeah, they have a bit of a scrap, don't they? Yeah, and Papaya is Kikwi's wife. All right. She was briefly in WWF as Barbara Bush. Oh, yeah. Did not clock that at all. No, but now we've had a, better, uh, a longer look at her. Uh, managed to pin down who she is. Commentary. 
argue about how to pronounce Kiki's name, which we've done before as well ourselves. Anyway. Yeah, they're also speculating what hold he seems to have over women because uh, Papaya and Paisley. Maybe it's only women that work with a P. I mean, Jean should look out because uh, Pamela's. <laughs> oh dear, I think it's it's the hairdo. Could could possibly be. Yeah. Uh, so next up, we're uh, in the ring, and uh, Jeff Jarrett's making Dave Penzer read a statement. Penzer reading Jarrett's lines was funny. Yeah. Just in his, in his very stiff sort of, not stiff, you know, in his very announce, in his announcer voice, saying, listen up, slap nuts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jeff Jarrett is holding everyone in the building personally responsible for Booker T not being present. Because he's a prick. Jarrett, that is not Booker T. Well, I mean, Jarrett's done us two favours tonight, so he's not all bad. Still a prick. He's going to continue um, collecting victims until um, he gets his uh, rematch uh, this evening, and then he guitar shots Penza. And the timing of that was actually pretty funny. Yeah, it was, yeah. No, which, which, which annoyed me. Yeah, I mean, I, I normally enjoy Jarrett anyway, but I think he was having a good night. Yeah. So next up, we have a sit-down interview, Tony Schiavone with Booker T. So... Obviously, uh, Mike Tanay's uh, learned his lesson after the Scott Steiner interview. <laughs> yeah, well, in no part of it, even though Booker T's obviously far more stable. Yeah, Booker T says winning the world title was the greatest night of his life. And Fair uh, enough. He's answered a lot of questions about could he win the title, could he carry the show? He definitely can. He <laughs> says he's a major player in WCW, and he really feels like it. Yeah, um, Absolutely. Uh, a little bit of uh, peeling back of the uh, fourth wall. He talks about starting out in a small territory and then going on to global. All right. Uh, to be honest, at this point, I did watch this, but I forgot to make notes. Oh, no, don't, don't, don't worry about <laughs> it. You know, it's, uh, went, it went on for quite a while, so I don't, I don't blame you. Yeah, well, it was, it, we, we, we were going to record this on, uh, on, a week when I was, uh, on a week when I was ill. So I did watch it, didn't quite get a chance to finish and was then sort of too ill to record. <laughs> I've forgotten to go back and watch it again. No, no, no don't worry about it. I do think it was interesting it was mentioning Global when he was GI Bro. <laughs> GI Bro, God, I'm glad that's gone. Yeah, uh, he said he doesn't feel any pressure and he says that he's at home in the midst, uh, middle of the ring and the rest of the guys on the locker room have to follow what he's doing. Yeah, quite right. You've... Good outlook to have as champion, you know, as long as he's still the, uh, the hardest worker in the room. Yeah, um, he says that Goldberg attacked the knee that he'd had surgery on. Uh, he said that he's not 100%, but he'll never be 100% again. He's not 25 anymore. Valid point. <laughs> None of us are. He said uh, maybe he's pushing it a bit, but he wants to know if he'll break in the ring. So he's going to uh, push it every night and give the fans uh, good value for the money. Yeah, it's a, it's a good sort of baby face interview, really. Yeah, it is, yeah. It's the job. These, you know, these have been, I think there's been more hits than misses on these backstage interviews, to be fair. Yeah, they have. Sorry, behind the scenes, I should say. Yeah, it's, it's a decent device to, to get people over. And, you know, occasionally you'll see it in WWE or AEW. Mm. They'll do them. But, I mean, they've done them quite regularly in Nitro and Thunder, and they've uh, been some very good ones. Yeah, fair uh, 
Yeah, so we get the break, and uh, then Tony Giovanni is saying that you can meet Tori Wilson and the franchise at the on-sale ticket event that's coming up. At least three people will have turned up to see franchise. Yeah, exactly. So Buff Bagwell and Mean Gene versus Canyon and a mystery partner. <laughs> I don't know why it just threw me when you go mystery partner. <laughs> well, we need more spooky in wrestling. I'm talking about spooky in wrestling. Judy Bagwell's out and joining commentary. <laughs> I didn't even notice her at this point. I didn't notice until halfway through the match. Canyon's uh, on the mic and he introduces his partner, Mark Smokey Madden. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't sign up to watch wrestling to look to watch people about as athletic as me wrestle. <laughs> Buff straining himself, trying to hold the ropes wide enough for Madden to get into the ring. <laughs> yeah, that was that was funny. And from what I remember, in fairness to uh, to Madden, he um, he did his job. He was he was there to be the fodder for Buff and Mean Gene, and he did it. Even took a couple of bumps. At the start of the match, uh, Madden goes as if he's taking his shirt back, and Tony Schiavone and Mike Tanay shouting no, and Mike Tanay shouts standards and practices when we need them. <laughs> See, I like stuff like this because it feels like they're just taking the piss out of a colleague. Yeah. You know, it's like a match of the day when you know Lineker, Shearer, and Michael Richards go at each other. Yeah, uh, and Madden's challenging Mean Gene to a pose off, and the crowd are chanting Gene Gene. Oh, God. Judy Bagwell says that she's uh, here to protect her son and her family name. I won't fight her. No, no, in all fairness. She's hardcore, as we'll find out. Yeah. While Canyon's shouting at the crowd, Mean Gene hits him on the back and then <laughs> runs away and tags Buff in. <laughs> Normally, a chicken shit heel move, but with Gene, it's kind of, yeah, he's all right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and more pulling back of the fourth wall, uh, Stevie Ray is talking about him and Booker T growing up with Mark Madden and uh, saying that uh, his uh, uh, dad owned one of the local shops and he got picked on by a lot of kids and uh, Stevie Ray and Booker T had to look after him. Mm. And now they just want to kick the fuck out of him. Do you know, I did hear about um, Mark Madden the other day. Mm-hmm. From Matt Madden, in all fairness. All oh, right, okay. <laughs> but um, you know the Hank Aaron thing with Bill Watts. Yes. And that got uh, him fired, and because mm. Bill Watts had said in an interview about supporting the person who wouldn't serve customers based on the race. Yeah. He said that in an interview with Mark Madden. Oh. As soon as he got out of the interview, sent it to Worm Turner. <laughs> Shit, really? Yeah, yeah, with, uh, you know, copied in for Hank Aaron. Brilliant. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> Stop Madden's right twice a day. <laughs> so, oh, wow. Yeah, so I thought that was uh, quite good of uh, Mark Madden. Yeah. Bagwell um, chases Madden around the ring until he runs into a canyon clothesline. <laughs> it's funny. Yeah. Fat uh, man fall down. <laughs> Yeah, and Buff does the double, double underhook DDT on Canyon, and Madden breaks up the pin. How dare he? Buff Irish whips um, Mark Madden 
<laughs> totally should have gotten it. Down goes Martin, down goes Martin after he hits the corner. <laughs> it was, it was, it had almost Tyson and Austin, Tyson and Austin. <laughs> uh, Canyon goes for a fog splash on both, but both moves. Uh, there's a hot tag to me and Gene. <laughs> there's a sentence you never thought you'd say. Well, it's Gene and Madden in the ring. Gene goes for a straight right, and there's a road warrior pop when uh, Madden yes. comes down. Oh, it's so good. Uh, Madden's back up and he low blows Mean Gene and uh, Slick Johnson sells it for about a week hopping around the ring holding his groin. So so now you don't have a problem with uh, with referees misdoubting the moves? No, I hate it. I really hate it. I just... <sighs> yeah. If Slick Johnson hadn't been in this match, I'd have enjoyed it more. Um, <laughs> uh, consistent. Yeah, while Madden's celebrating... Gene gets up and he shows the crowd an athletic cup. The least athletic cup ever. Yeah, he, he rams it into Madden's face. Slick Johnson's holding his nose because of the bad smell. Gene's sweaty, sweaty balls. <laughs> Slick Johnson was selling the, sm- the smell of the athletic cup being put on Matt Madden's face. Yeah. yeah. Hey, 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 hey. But I liked the match, aside from the referee. We get a buff blockbuster to Madden. Gene covers him for the free count. The winners, Mean Gene and Buff Bagwell. Massive pop. Yeah, good stuff. Tony Schiavone shouts, there is a god. <laughs> Everyone was on form in this match. Yeah. Apart from Slick Johnson. Yeah, and while, Ban- uh, while Bagwell celebrating, Canyon cut her out of nowhere. Love it. Cherry yeah. on the icing on the cake. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Canyon walks so Randy Orton could fucking copy him. (laughs) (laughs) DDP walks so Canyon could run so Randy Orton could copy. Yeah, copy Canyon. (laughs) I wouldn't want to copy DDP. It takes a week to do it. (laughs) Yeah, true. It's not our no way. (laughs) That one coming. Canyon um, is choking Mean Gene and Judy Bagwell gets up, but Stevie Ray stops her and Stevie Ray goes in for the save. I'll go, I'll go. Oh, go on then. <laughs> if I must. Just like, fuck's sake. Yeah. <laughs> Been here before. Right. So it's the cat and a mystery partner. <laughs> who at this point, I can't remember who it was because I forgot to write it down. Versus Muta and Vampiro. We get highlights from last week. Muta is attacking the cat during um, the US title match. And um, then Muta and Vampiro attacking the Young Dragons. The cat's out first and then the Dark Carnival. And when the Dark Carnival are on the aisle, the uh, cat gets uh, on the microphone. He says... Oh, I think I've just remembered who it is. Yeah, he says, if I was you, I'd think twice about getting into this ring. I've got a bad man on my side. I'm going to tell you about him right now. It's showtime. Yes. Eric Young. Yeah. <laughs> Which actually Sting did for Eric Young when he uh, revealed, yeah. didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah. No, it was. It was, to, to quote Tony Schiavone, it's Sting. Oh, and we get the lightning bolts. Tony Schiavone's going, showtime? That can only be one man. Eric and the- Young. Sting's music hits and we get the it sting better than he does these days. Because he doesn't have to do it every five fucking minutes. Yeah. Uh, it's fucking awesome, you know, the lightning bolts, the chrome. Like, oh. I mean, I, I know Sting's 
pulled his creative control card and he's not done the gimmick he should do. But in this moment, it's very good. It is. Yeah. yeah. Sting attacks Vampiro in the aisle, drags him to the announce table. It goes for a Stinger splash on the guardrail, but Vampiro moves. Oh, yeah, I remember that, yeah. It was... Uh, yeah, again, I, I remember like little bits of it, but I really don't remember much of this match. I was flagging quite badly at this point. Stevie Ray says, I don't know what the cat said to Sting. If you offered to take him to Waffle House or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine the cat like, and Sting in Waffle House and they get the wrong order and the cat goes to mist. <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> Every time he's mildly annoyed with somebody or something. Oh, brilliant. Mooters choking Sting in the corner. Um, Billy Silverman's uh, counting, so uh, Mooter has to break the hold. Sting double clotheslines uh, the Dark Carnival and tags the cat in. He kind of botches a hip toss from Mooter. Oh, yeah. Funny. We get a DDP... Um, DDT to Vampiro, not a DDP. Bad him in the previous match with the uh, positive. <laughs> um, and then we see the demon at the top of the stage. Sting goes for a stinger splash on Muta, but Muta green mists him. Now, the green, green mist. The green mist obstructs your vision. Right. Yeah. But the so cat, it's, not, it's not, not the acid one. <laughs> not yet, no. The cat does the feline around house kicks to Vampiro and gets the three counts. So the winners are Sting and the cat. And then Muta does the red mist to the cat, which is the burning mist. Right. So yeah. uh, I, always forget, I always forget what the different colours mean. So we've had um, two lots of the mist in. Then the... Um, Demon gets in and puts a scorpion deathlock on Sting and blood's dripping from his mouth. Um, the building, building to that big main event special match at New Blood Rising. Yeah, that's, that's going to last two minutes, but never mind. Let's pretend we don't know. <laughs> but uh, hot end to the show. Yeah, very hot end to the show. One thing, one thing they did well throughout all this was was sort of keep referring back to New Blood Rising, and it, you know it's, it's done. It's built all the feuds well. But the problem was, every time they showed the New Blood Rising gimmick, the sound mixing was so weird, it went incredibly loud and made me jump every time. It was awful, that, that. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's really bad. I did like, uh, I mean, I know I've taken the piss a little bit about the mystery partner, but they did have suspense running through the show. Mm. They, they have the story of the Jarrett chair shots to everyone running through the show. Um, you didn't know who the mystery partners were going to be, though quite a few different threads. Um, there was a little bit with the um, crowbar and Daphne and who who is the mystery person that sent her flowers. So there's a lot of questions that kind of keep you involved. And, and, things, that'll, and things that'll go beyond New Blood Rising as well. Yeah, yeah. But you know there's going to be a surprise coming. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah, so stay and watch the surprise. So, you know, well-written TV show, and we haven't even covered the tank segment yet. haven't even covered the main event. Exactly, you know. So, uh, But before we do that, Vince Russo is going to log into LinkedIn and look at the qualities that the misfits in action might have that might make them suitable opponents for Tank Abbott and Free Camp. <laughs> they're, they're all wrestlers that he doesn't mind being knocked out and taken out of action for a bit. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's fair enough. Um, <laughs> Sergeant Airwall, or the, the Wall, started training with Larry Sharp in 1994. Fair enough. Yeah, trained at the WCW Power Plant, um, and uh, was there trained by Bam Bam Bigelow. 
right. Yeah, in 1996, he debuted as Hellraiser. Uh, he had a handful of matches in 97-98 with ECW and the NWA. Mm-hmm. And then in 99, we see him as Berlin's bodyguard on Nitro. Oh, God, Berlin. Yeah. Dear me. It was, it was a good repackaging of Alex Wright, that, to be honest. There was potential in it. There, there really was. I mean, it was just the, um, the I guess, the, that Matrix look that was seen to be too close to the Columbine shooter. Yeah, oh, that was it. I knew there was something behind it that went that made it go south. Yeah, so I guess the the most famous bit of that is uh, Berlin on uh, Louis Farouk's weird weekend, saying he's hoping to get used to. Yeah, <laughs> just like no, you fucking won't. Mm-hmm. Timing's everything, isn't it? Yeah. So on the sixteenth of September, ninety nine, the Wall signs a two year deal for seventy five k a year. So at this point, you can get um, 0.12 tank abbots for a wall or 8.67 walls for a tank abbot. That is as close as it ever get, as it's ever been, I think, to uh, to me taking not the tank abbot, but I'm still taking the tank abbot. <laughs> you like the wall, don't you? Imagine 8.67 of them. <laughs> At that point, it's pretty much a house. Well, you only need four walls. <laughs> you need two stories. So, uh, Corporal Cajun, Lash LaRue, was the uh, junior high school state wrestling finalist two years running in Louisiana. Is that your Chris Charlton fact of the day? Oh, it's like Wayne Bridges being the um, heavyweight champion of Kent, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> in uh, 1993, he won the Alabama State Championship in football, in inverted commas. Hand egg. Hand egg. He dropped out of med school to pursue a career as a cartoonist, which is actually what he's doing now. Oh, yeah, oh, yes, he is. Yeah, I've seen him on Twitter. Pretty yeah. good artist. Good artist, yeah. Probably would have made more money as uh, going to medical school, but you've got to follow your dreams. Yeah, and you'd probably rather have a picture from him than Jerry Lawler. Oh, most definitely. Yeah. In 1997, he joins the power plant after seeing an advert on TV. Fair dues. Makes his debut in 98 and signs a contract on the 21st of June 99. It's a three-year deal, 75k for the first year, second year 100k, and third year 150k. Uh, so at this point, you could get 0.23 Tank Abbott, so 4.33 Lash LaRue's for a Tank Abbott. I'm still taking the Tank Abbott on that one. That's less close than the wall. So next up is General Rection. He was tra- I'm, t- I'm taking the Tank Abbott. <laughs> he was trained by Johnny Rods in 1988. He worked um, small indie shows from 88 to 92. In 92, he was in the American Wrestling Federation, which I think we're going to have to cover at some point, as yeah. Flash the Terminator. And he actually becomes the American Wrestling Federation heavyweight champion. Fair enough. Yeah, in 93, he's in Japan in the wing promotion. And is uh, a tag team champion with Mr. Pogo. Mr. Pogo, who was that? Oh, well, you can, we can, we can live cage match him down. All right, I just thought, I, I recognise the name and I don't know why. No, well, he's a wrestler. Oh, yeah. Tetsuya Sekigawa. Oh, he was, he was, um, that's why I know the name. He was, uh, he was in FMW and he was one of the sort of the deathmatch pioneers in the 90s. All right, cool. With the with Big Japan as well, 
Yeah, so so it may well have been in an exploding barbed wire cage match. Potentially. Yeah. And 93 to 94 is in ECW. Uh, it has a couple of matches in a WWF in 94. And then 95 to 97 is in the Dungeon of Doom. <laughs> has the distinction of being Goldberg's first TV win. Yeah, I remember that. Hugh Morris. Yeah, yeah. Uh, has a bit of time off at the end of 99 and returns in 2000. On the 1st of, 19, 1st of January 99, he signed a three-year deal at 250k a year. So you can get 0.38 tank abbots or 2.6 general rections for a tank abbot. They were paying general rection that money. Well, in 99, they were, they were doing very well, weren't they? Before Kevin sure. Yeah, true. Um, I'm taking the, uh, taking the tank abbot. Yeah. Lieutenant Loco, Chavo Guerrero, third generation wrestler, grandfather's Gory Guerrero, father's Chavo Sr., his uncle's obviously Eddie Guerrero. Top-notch wrestling family. Yeah, yeah, he uh, grew up watching wrestling, watching his family wrestle and practicing uh, with Eddie in the ring in the back garden. Debut in Mexico in 1994, does a New Japan tour in 1996. Uh, also in 1996, he joins WCW. And um, has his first match for the US title against Flair. Bloody hell, really? Yeah. 97, he has um, a gimmick with Pepe the Hobby Horse. Pepe the Hobby Horse? Yeah, with Norman Smiley throws in a wood chipper. Brilliant. Uh, 98 is in the L- um, the LWO, so is in Legado del Fantasma. <laughs> I was going to say recently reformed LWO. At uh, 98, he loses a hair versus hair match with Eddie. Um, no, no, it's worth saying. 99, he tags with Kidman. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, 2000 is in the Misfits in action and defeats Daphne for the Cruiserweight Championship. I bet that was a pretty good match, though. We have watched that um, when we're uh, back in the archives. You can go back and uh, listen no, to that. Was, actually, no, I think I do remember that. Yeah, it was. I was hoping it'd be a good match, and it was a bit disappointing because there was shenanigans. Yeah, yeah, Daphne got screwed. Yeah, yeah. First of June '98, he signs a three-year deal, 185k in the first year and 225k in the third year. Yet at this point, he can get 0.35 tank abbots for a Chavo Guerrero or 2.88 Chavo Guerreros for a tank abbot. I'm taking the tank abbot. Sorry, Chavo. Yeah, so at this point, you can get um, uh, 1.12 Chavo Guerrero's General Rection, Corporal Cajuns, and Sergeant Awalls for a Tank Abbott. Hmm, let me think. I'm taking the Tank Abbott still. Mm. Uh, Major Guns was actually on a two-year deal. Um, it's one of these crazy ones where she gets 31,200k per annum, and then... A thousand k per event and six hundred dollars travel expenses to the event. Bloody hell! Yeah, so she was on TV more often than not, though, wasn't she? Most yeah, on most weeks. I reckon from the amount of shows she worked in two thousand, she probably earned about one hundred and five k. Yeah, which actually, I mean, you consider everyone else's travels coming out of that money. Yeah, it's not too bad, and she's getting, well, she's getting 600 towards it, at least. Yeah, yeah, so the, the, the funny deals, though, is I guess 
you know, for, from WCW's point of view, if it's someone they're going to use on TV, then that the wrestler's going to win. And if it's someone they're not going to use, then they're not going to overspend on them. Fair enough. Yeah, Spacker can kind of see it. Just, I just can't believe they didn't consider that one day they might po- that podcast might exist that might need to look into it and make it easier for us, not for you. <laughs> Tank Abbott's um, on the way to the ring. He's got a Dan Square and Free Count have Dan Circles, and Tank is looking happy. I was going to say, for once, he doesn't look pissed. No, Tank says, I know you people have been waiting for my hit single, but it's not completed, and I'm not going to give it to you guys until it's ready. Absolutely fair enough, Tank. You keep it you keep it rolling, brother. Like, I mean, it's like he says, like fine wine, they've just got to wait. Well, you know, Beth wanted to watch the Lewis Capaldi documentary the other night, and he was a perfectionist. You know, there was over 50 songs submitted before he released his new single. And I can only imagine Tank's exactly the same. If not more so. Yeah. He said, but don't worry, because he's going to leave three count in their hit single, and the audience need to participate. Um, he to participate, shaking his fist. <laughs> it was. It, I don't. He didn't need to shake the fist. They, everybody knew what was up. That's why everybody was on their feet and dancing along. Well, someone in the crowd has a sign saying, "I came to see Tank dance." <laughs> he was just saying what everybody else was thinking. Exactly. Exactly. Um, it's like the fact we get a, we get a full on cover version. Yeah, uh, Tank sings Free Count song, uh, and it's the uh, greatest thing that's ever happened in the history of music. I think he won it 12 was, for this. It was the pop event of the millennium. He even hit the high note. Yeah. It, well, it was, I think it was higher than the note was supposed to be. It was sublime. Yeah, it was tw- four octaves higher. <laughs> it was like having your ears massaged. Dogs started barking in China. <laughs> Lucky there was no glass in the stadium. Yeah, yeah. In the arena, sorry. The Misfits in Action music hits. Uh, local and Cajun have sookers, super soakers and soak major guns. Big frowny face in my notes. Tank Abbott was singing. Yeah. What the fuck were they doing? Yeah, we were happy then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We don't need your cheap titillation. No, we don't. Stevie Ray's asking about... Uh, Evan Courageous saying doesn't he have an injured ankle? And uh, Tony Giovanni says he believes he does. So It's quite obvious by his involvement in the match that he does. Yeah, yeah. So actually, I mean, this is a bit of a handicap match, isn't it? Because we get the uh, Misfits. Well, yeah, you've got the four members of Misfits in action and Tanks on the other side. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, right here in the handicap match. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So, uh, uh, and, and then uh, Courageous isn't going to get involved anyway. So Cajun and Helm start off the match and there's a free count suck chant. Yeah, not good. Uh, Rection slams Cajun and uh, Hugh Morris um, does his crazy elbow and crazy leg drop. So I think he thinks he's the laughing man, Hugh Morris. So wacky. Yeah. I did quite like when he went for the pop-up powerbomb, but um, I think it was... I can't remember. Was, I think it might be Helmstein at this point and uh, he gets the Hurricane Nine out. That looked pretty good. Yeah, it did, it did. Um, Helms threw Loco into the corner and Tank and Free Count were punching him. He can't have been very heavy punches from Tank because they'd have been... Tank Tank gets a bonus for every minute he's in the ring. Well, that's it. He's trying to make it last longer. Yeah, yeah. He's he's, he's working on it by the hour in this match. If if you watched it, actually, I only saw Courageous and and Mo uh, dropping the punches. 
and then Rection and Cajun come in to make the save, but Cajun, which in what's got to be an accident, twatted Tank. Tank's pissed off and storms into the ring, and Cajun backs off. And then that, the, the, the taste of fear was enough to placate Tank for now. Yeah, Tony Giovanni says, Tank loves the music, but he's acting more like three counts security guard. Protecting his investment. Yeah, exactly. Tank climbs into the ring, hits the wall in the back. Major Guns is up on the apron, and David Flair and Miss Hancock uh, run out and uh, grab her. Yeah, it was a bit of an odd one, this, because did you see that the Cajun, a couple of Cajun also managed to get Tank with a dropped toehold? He did, yeah, with a confused Tank, because Tank had dancing feet at the time. <laughs> he had his dancing shoes on, not his wrestling boots. Yeah, yeah, and he goes for a leg drop to uh, Tank's back. Uh, Guns falls off the apron, but uh, AWOL catches her. Cajun um, climbs a ladder that's leapt against the ring and jumps off straight in to a Tank Abbott punch to the midsection. Oh, idiot. Yeah. And then a huge right to the face. It was brilliant because he was sort of dizzy and spinning around bent over <laughs> and then <laughs> straight right to the face. Tank tells Helms to cover him and heads to the pair window. But Helms doesn't. No, well, Shannon Moore frog splashes and Helms leg drops. I mean, this is inju- um, insult to injury at this point, isn't it? <laughs> That's concussion on concussion. Yeah. I put my notes. He's already dead. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, same, but it's just, MIA were very late to the party. They were even later than uh, later than Palumbo. Yeah, uh, and it's a three count, and the winners are uh, three count and Tank Abbott. Oh, but I have to say, I think with MIA being so late, I think that was more of a mercy, just so they didn't have to face Tank anymore. Yeah, I think so. I think they were trying to get out of the way. Three count celebrate, uh, MIA are com- commiserating in the ring, and Tank's dancing to the pay window. As he always should. And after the break, um, MIA with Pamela Paulshock and a general erection saying what happened tonight won't be tolerated and uh, Major Guns uh, calls out David Flair and Miss Hancock for a table match with the wall. And that's how we got the match uh, later in the night. But there was obviously no plans of getting back in the ring with Tank Abbott. No, why would you? You'd rather take your, take your chances in a tables match. Exactly. Exactly. Another victory for Tank, and that's all that matters. Yeah, so in eight men matches, Tank's 2-0. Solid record. Yeah, and uh, considering his partners are jobbers. Yeah. (laughs) Tank just elevates everybody around him. Exactly. Well, he just sparks out the opposition and goes to the bay window. We said the same thing. Yeah, exactly. So in terms of feedback and uh, mentions uh, that we've had from the listeners Tony Silver at Silverkind said to us that it was a fact that uh, the Undertaker had whispered into Bray Wyatt's ear that uh, that Tank Abbott could be his opponent in Wrestlemania and that's why he's not here <laughs> The Lieutenant spot on once again uh, Glenn Abbott at GA WrestleNotes uh, from the great uh, Work in uh, Progress podcast he put the gif of Bray Wyatt blowing the uh, light out after we suggested that uh, he'd been told that he had to fit his tank But <laughs> so That's why he blows the light out to escape from Tank Abbott. Tank will think I'm in bed. 
Danny at Scottish Juggalo said he couldn't wait to play WWE 2K23. Uh, the graphics looks uh, look incredible, and he uh, posted a picture of Tank Abbott on WCW backstage as well. <laughs> <laughs> Top work from young Danny, as always. Yeah, and Thomas at Simi41 says it looks just like real people. <laughs> He's not wrong. He's not wrong. Great game. It is. It is. Danny also mentioned um, that uh, he loved how WWE listed that the great Mooter had um, faced Tank Abbott three times on his uh, list of accomplishments for the going into the Hall of Fame. That, well, that was that was the foundation of it, really. Yeah. Well, I mean that that's uh, the the entire reason he went into the Hall of Fame. Let's be honest. Yeah. I think they actually mentioned it when he faced him in WCW. We'll <laughs> <laughs> so get him into the WWE Hall of Fame one day. Yeah. Well, we'd mentioned the tank fact that the equator runs around the Earth because it's trying to run away from Tank Abbott and King Pigbladders at Pigbladders. It said, using this information, Tank Abbott's also managed to disprove, disprove the theory of flat Earth. <laughs> Brilliant. Podcast Overlord at podcast underscore OL said that we were an excellent podcast. Thank you, so For that. Chris Bellis at The Real Chris Bellis says... Uh, with all the impressions he does of dead wrestlers on uh, on booking the Tankatori, he'll uh, g- give any impression a go of dead wrestlers. So if you've got any dead wrestlers you want uh, Chris to uh, do on Tank Talk, just let us know. And that noise right there means it's time for Chris Bellis to dead wrestler it better. Dead wrestler it better. Exactly. They would also mentioned about some um, beer that he'd got in for Tank Talks uh, from uh, uh, Gang Mash. Uh, it was a, a chug beer uh, with a skeleton uh, drinking beer on the uh, cover. So, yeah, sounds like a great recommendation. Yeah, top quality can art. Yeah. We'd sent out the Tank fact that Tank Abbott doesn't use a spell check. Let us just arrange themselves in the right order for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fox Grapple Arcade at Grapple Arcade said, Tank screams, ah, and the computer's translation is to whom it may concern. <laughs> Tank Abbott was the pioneer of, uh, of text-to-speech. And uh, Mark at the Project Football Podcast at Proj underscore foot uh, recommended uh, unbooking the Tank Atari as um, a, a wrestling podcast that people need to listen to. And we'd always recommend Project Football as one to listen to as well. Mark does sterling work over there. He does. It's, a, it's an excellent show. and have been very privileged to be invited on it. So, come yeah. on. Oh, thank you very much for that, Mark. Yeah, always great fun. Yeah. So, moving on from here, there's going to be a few more, three more tank talks. There's the New Blood Rising, the 14th of August Nitro, and the 18th of August Thunder. And then we'll be back for the 21st of August Nitro when Tank Abbott faces Vampiro. Can't wait for that. It's just, I'm just, I'm, I'm starting to feel a bit sad now because I know we haven't got many more of these left. No. And it's going to be a sad day when we come to the end of this run, but oh, it's going to be fun. It is going to be fun. It is. It is. Um, so, where can people find you, Dan? You can find me on Twitter at DanGriffin21, usually tweeting about wrestling that's a minimum six weeks out of date or movies that are 25 years out of date. If you want to hear more of me, uh, I'm on the Doctor Who pod with Cy Powell over on SJP World Media, where we do one episode or serial per Doctor per series, looking at what lands for me as a new Who fan with the classic Who, and vice versa for what lands for Cy uh, with the new Who as a classic Who fan. 
And you've recently had a bit of a solo project on that. Yeah, I've done, uh, well, it's out of release. I've done the first episode of a mini-series, uh, just me on my own, talking about the uh, the video game uh, Edge of Doctor Edge of Reality. Uh, it's a, uh, it's it's been a fun little project to get going. Uh, it only took me six months. <laughs> but it's been, uh, it has been, uh, has been nice to do. And very, just an interesting experience to uh, to try and fly solo. It's obviously very different to, uh, to having someone to, to bounce off of, um, especially when I don't think I'm particularly funny without without somebody to work with. But uh, we've had some very nice feedback on the first episode, and uh, fingers crossed uh, it'll remain the same for the upcoming two. And there may be another little solo Doctor Who project uh, in the works between seasons four and five. Ah, excellent. Uh, when you say someone to bounce off of, uh, it makes it sound like uh, the two of us with our uh, rotund statues are doing the uh, big daddy belly bounces. <laughs> I'm still amazed that's never happened when we're pissed. Yeah, but no one's out switched us. <laughs> I don't want to meet the person who could. Well, I don't know, maybe they've got a fishing can with a uh, can of dark mild. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only way to get me to spring. Yeah, so you can find me at UTT Roberts when I'm all about the mutuals and it's about the followers. So I'm absolutely more than happy to follow back on the same channel that you're listening to this. You can hear the One Man's Meat podcast with Danny and uh, Scott Juggalo and the real Chris Bellis. And they're looking at the forgotten storylines of wrestling. Wrestlers might not get that much love, that kind of thing. So really worth checking out. If you've, uh, We've already mentioned a few tank facts uh, earlier when we were reading out... Um, comments from the listeners but um if you go to the twitter for this show at utt tank you can get some hashtag tank facts yeah such as all peanut butter spreads like smooth peanut butter when you tank up it it does it doesn't even need to, it doesn't even buy jars it just spreads peanuts Tank Abbott doesn't know how to sell being dazed because he's no real-world experience the closest he ever got to registering a punch is when he got clipped by an 18-wheeler yeah, true. Yeah, and since the Apollo 11 moon landing, there's been a conspiracy theory about a period of lost audio. Declassified files have confirmed that the missing audio is Neil Armstrong's disappointment at discovering a sign saying property of Tank Abbott on a lunar surface. <laughs> he just went up there for a long weekend. He wanted to know if it was really made of cheese. Yeah, uh, and he found, he found out it was. And, uh, and that's why the moon... It was only on the tenth bite he realised it was a bit chalky. <laughs> oh, damn Caffilly. <Yeah. laughs> mm, so Wensley Dale, I don't think I'll bother. Oh no, Wensley Dale's the king of cheeses. It is too um, fair. Yeah. As you can follow the main show at um, UTT Podcast. Uh, season one, we looked at the highest and lowest TV rated episodes on Monday Night Wars for each creative period. And season two, we're looking at first and last of wrestling, so debuts, finales, that kind of thing. Uh, we also have uh, another upcoming side project on Putting the Territory, where we are looking at the only time that a wrestling championship ever changed hands by legitimate sporting competition, the BTE Gator Golf Tournament. Now, if that Gator Golf Tournament involved Tag Gabbard... Oh, well, I mean, he, he'd have um, got uh, three hole-in-ones uh, with a single shot and uh, won the entire tournament on the first stroke. <laughs> he would. He would. He'd be no competition. Well, we do actually have a tank fax about, uh, about golf um, that, that we've uh, previously uh, sent out. 
So the former North Korean leader, Kim Jong-il, once completed a golf game in 38 under par within, um, with 11 holes in one. And he still lost to Tang Gabba. I remember that now. It's, it's all true. So, as I say, next time we, uh, well, next time you hear from us, uh, we'll be moving on to Tank Abbott versus Vampiro. Um, we're going to leave you in the capable hands of Chris Bellis and Danny at Scott Sugarlow, who um, do a sterling job with the Tank Talks. Uh, so, thank you for listening for now. We'll be back soon. See you soon. Well, all you people have been waiting and waiting and waiting. And we got Tank Abbott. I'm sorry, Tony. I want Tony. to let you know. I'm sorry. That my hit single is not yet completed. <laughs> and I will not give it to you guys until it's ready. It's like fine wine. You're going to have to wait. But do not worry, because I'm going to lead three count in their hit single till we get to that point. You guys need to participate. What? So, what is he talking everybody, about? Everybody, without further ado, hit the music. Is, did Tank just tell us he's going to sing here? I think where I come from, Tony, Tank Abbott is geeking. Get up on your feet. Come on. You know, Tank's usually at ringside, but tonight he's taking control in the ring. This is bizarre. I think after we see Jimmy Hart get whacked with a guitar by a maniac like Jeff Jarrett, after we find out that Gene Oakland's going to team with Buff Bagwell tonight, it would be it would be fitting that this guy would sing. Gene Oakland's going to wrestle tonight here on Thunder, and who's that mystery partner going to be? You know, I cannot wait to see who this mystery partner is. Maybe it's going to make my night.